legends, it's Blake and Kelly back for another episode of the Sports Medicine Project. Now, if the audio sounds incredibly better, we've officially hit the the big time. We've got a couple of, of mics. We only have one mic set up at the moment because I've been playing around with GarageBand for about, feels like the last eight days, trying to get the two mics in as the input for it to come as the output. And then I realized that you actually need headphones. And I can't remember the last time I owned a pair of, um, oh, what are they called? The Like the cordless headphones. So I used to love them. And then you were like, you can't use them anymore. They're so old oh, school. So and I should have kept them. I, don't, I see people running with them. And I think, listen, like I'll give you a set of mine. You just seem to try them once. Bluetooth is the way to go. But anyway, I hope it sounds better. Now, it's currently, it's Monday afternoon. We just got off the... Zoom call with an absolute weapon of a researcher, mm-hmm. Dr. Sian Allen. Now, she lives in British Columbia. She basically knows everything about um, data. What am I trying to say? Wearable technology. Yeah, wearable technology and just data interpretation. We talked all about the Whoop, the Garmin, basically, sportswear innovation. yeah, sportswear innovation, how you know accurate the sleep is, how to interpret the data, how not to kind of feel bad about interpreting the data and mm. it was yeah, awesome it was, i learned so much yeah it was, it great. was great so that'll be coming out next week but yeah first international guest and it was an absolute cracker mm. now i've got a, a sports dietitian coming on as well pretty soon hopefully we're going to have a foot and ankle surgeon coming on soon we're going to have a couple of weapon sports podiatrists coming on to doing our part two of of foot athletics and i'm not going to say who it is but another researcher from America who knows a lot about running surfaces in the interaction and how kind of the kinetics and kinematics work with our body, which will just be insane. Mm. Yeah. Big plans. I'm Big, excited. Yeah, it'll be awesome. So, Kelly, before we jump into today's topic, which it's a controversial one, and I'm playing devil's advocate today because we see all the stuff about it, but we'll talk about it soon. What did you learn and what annoyed you this week? So it's been the long weekend here and I have been obsessed with this new documentary series on Netflix. You guys have to get around it. It is, Mm. I can't remember what it's called, something about national parks, but Barack Obama is narrating it and he does a bloody good job, I must tell you. (laughs) But um, they were talking or they were showing the killer whales or orcas last night when I was watching it and they were um, sneaking up on their grey whale, on a grey whale mother and their calf And the way that they kill the grey whale calf to eat it is they have to continually take turns jumping on its back to drown it so Mm. that it dies that way. And then they all just eat it. And it was really tragic and really sad, but it was also quite incredible. They're just very smart. It was the mum was trying to help it anyways. You guys have to watch it. That's what I like. That's what I mean. (laughs) If it was in a running event, I'd probably do the same thing if I had to get first. But anyway, Mm. what annoyed you this week? Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Come on, surely. I was I trying to put my elastic shoelaces on my shoes for a while. Weak. That was bothering me a little Yeah, bit. you were spending a while doing that. Yeah, I was, they had to like get it through the holes and they weren't fitting. So Yeah, Kelly's racing this week in the half Ironman. So we had to get these laces to pick up those extra few seconds. On transition. Yeah. Could be the difference between first and second. (laughs) Could be. Or 50th, 51st, anyway. (laughs) We'll see. What did you learn and what annoyed you? Mine were pretty measly, so come up with something better. Yeah. It always seems to be related to sports medicine stuff. I 
was, and I've been doing this a bit lately, so nobody's safe. I've been going and just having a look at people's websites, like for their clinic, and I came across this one clinic down in um, in Tasmania, and I was on their Instagram, and they were talking about FMT, which is foot mobilization therapy, which is just a fancy name of pushing someone into a bit of extra range of motion. Anyway, they had posted what FMT is, and they said, when can FMT be, like, when's it indicated, and for what conditions? So flat feet, plantar fasciitis, high arch feet, heel spurs, sciatica. I could not believe it. Like, is that what, what you f- learned this what week? The fuck? No, that's what annoyed me. Like <laughs> saying that you can treat someone's there's so many like saying you can treat someone's high arch. Like what the fuck? That's not even a diagnosis. And then saying that even FMT can do that. Oh, I was yeah. I screenshotted it and put it on our story. I didn't tag them in it because I'm not that kind of person. But you know that just really irked me. Mm. Like I don't have to write every wrong out there, but like someone's gonna see that and think, "Fuck, I've got flat feet. I better go get some mobilization because that's gonna fix me." Anyway, how would that fix them? Is it gonna change their flat feet? No, of course not. No, that's the whole I know. idea. That's what I mean, are they? Is that what they think? It's I don't know. Do? That's what they thought. Well, they got seven likes on the post, so I dare say it probably wasn't taken in very well. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so nobody's safe. And if I post something like that, I'd want to be called out. I want someone to hit me over the head with a bat if I posted something like that. Hey, you had like people um, getting up you for your deadlifting technique. Yeah, yeah. And I full-on went hard on this guy. And he <laughs> didn't reply back to any of my questions. And I, I feel like a bit of an idiot, but I just pulled. I was like, oh, hey, mate, you know, I, I work at the university. I can get you some access to the studies if you don't have access to them. I don't know what you do. And he didn't reply to me, which I don't like to straw man people, but he deserved it. And what did I learn? I learned that swimming in wetsuit shorts makes you swim like 20 seconds quicker per 100. I was probably could swim about a minute 50, minute 55, and now I reckon I could comfortably swim a minute 30, minute 35 for um, a K and a half, maybe. No way. Yes, I could for sure. It made such a difference with those shorts on there. Anyway, I've got a race in two weeks, so we'll definitely see. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, if you're going to Nelson's Bay and you're in the Clivesdale category, I would think again because there's going to be a storm coming and I'm coming. (laughs) Anyway, so Kelly, what's our topic today? I'm excited. Uh, strength training for running injuries and performance. So something that we've been posting a fair bit about lately mm-hmm. on our Instagram page through yes. some stories and something that Blake and I are quite passionate about. But we yeah, we thought we'd put it all together into a podcast and, and have a little bit of a chat about it. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to be sitting here for a couple of hours, which we definitely could, but we're just going to try and keep it somewhat shorter and then just kind of drip feed to you guys because it, it's a lot to take in. There's a lot of things to think mm-hmm. about as well. So don't expect everything in one. If we miss something, you know, very likely we'll we'll get to that very soon. Yeah. So what do you want to say? What do you want to start with? <laughs> I guess I guess what we would define as strength training. Do you want to talk about that? <sighs> what do you yeah. define as I, strength training? I define strength training loosely as doing some stimulus, some form of heavy resistance with weights somewhere near your capacity for an extended period of time with the goal to build tissue capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So working somewhere near your capacity of what you can lift, I guess, mm-hmm. and then following or doing that repeatedly, consistently with general strength and conditioning principles, which is probably a simpler way to put it, but that's how I think of it. 
Yeah. What about you? I agree. I think it needs to be going somewhere close to failure. Doesn't have to go to failure every time. Yeah, and using somewhere close to failure. Which you can use like an easy term is just R I R I R, which is reps in reserve. So if you want to, even if you're just programming strength training for someone and you don't want to say, hey, just go near your failure, just say, hey, do it until you've got about three reps in reserve, and you yeah. can kind of guess a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. sorry. Sometimes that takes a bit of practice, though. Sometimes oh, if someone is very new to strength training, they haven't done it before, sometimes I'll just give them dumbbells and I'll say, do as many as you can until you can't, just to Ooh. give, almost to just give me an idea of what mm. their limit is. Because sometimes you'll give someone, say, like, 10 kilo dumbbells and they're like oh that's too heavy I can't do that and so you're like all right fine give them five kilo dumbbells and then Mm. they'll do so x whatever exercise it is yeah and then they can do 30 and you're like okay that's too light so we need to actually up that or because that is not achieving what we want to achieve and that's a like an opportunity for me to educate them on what the goal is and what it needs to look like and what it needs to feel like as well. Mm. Is it though, like I wouldn't do that for a novice. Well, I'm just going to say because we're talking about runners. If somebody, if I'm seeing a new runner and they've never done that, I'm not telling them to go to failure. I'm giving them, you know, probably something maybe halfway, like 50% of their capacity. Because I don't want to say, hey, go out and do three sets till failure and blow yourself up. You know, but you, you want to just drip find, feed them. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but I think you need to find something to get them started and I think you need to educate them on what it should feel like because if someone's never done strength training before, Mm. which is common for runners, they Mm. don't understand what that feeling is of working close to failure failure. and they look at dumbbells and think, oh, that looks kind of heavy, that must be right for me, but in actual fact, they're probably a lot stronger than what they think yeah and, and they you can do really more and you don't know until you try yeah and like obviously we've been strength training for years and years like i've been doing bicep curls since i was bloody 15 in my old boarding school gym like i could i reckon probably the bicep curls probably biceps in general i'm that tone like if someone said i want you to go out and do 16 reps i reckon i could pick a weight so i guess you're right with with being new to strength training you probably do need to get Use it, or just get a bit of a taste of that feeling of and just see, yeah, like. see where yeah. you sit, but not too much because you and don't want them to be like go out and do a max set of calf raises no. and be like, sweet, I can't run now because you will be like, if you're new, you'll be sore for days. Like I still yeah. get sore, you know, for a couple of days now and then. I'm thinking of a of a runner that I see, and they were telling me that they do strength training, and I was like, okay, cool. What does that look like? And they stood up and stood behind their chair and rested their hands on their chair and did some mini mini squats like the miniest squats you've ever seen and and he said these are the ones that I do because I think it's quite good for my knees Mm. and in my mind I'm looking at that thinking that is doing fuck all like that Mm. is doing absolutely nothing so for him I think that's a pretty good Mm. example of a person that I that you need to actually educate them on what Mm. is strength training and what does it feel like and that's that's the challenge the challenge is because we know it's shit like it's not worthless, but it, it's almost worthless. But what is the those you know, mini squats? It's just yeah. For example, the mini squats. I guess what I would want people to take away from this: how could you have that person see that it's probably not worth what they're doing? I mean, like we always talk about, create doubt. You know, have them have the you know epiphany. Mm. But how did you address that? I showed him, so I, I got him to 
put a barbell on his back and sit down and stand up from a box mm. as many times as he could before his legs started to feel tired. Yeah. And he could do 20 with a barbell on his back through a greater range of motion. And then that was my conversation. And yeah, I said it yeah. was harder, but still that was very, like, pretty doable. I was mm. like, okay, so if you can do full-ish range squats with 20 kilos on your back and that's still relatively easy, then what, what's that doing? Yeah, and I guess you could even say it, like, if you want to, if, you know, if they're running 100 kilometers a week, mm. you said, hey, if you're running 5, 10 kilometers a week, do you think you're going to become a better runner? That's probably similar to what you're doing with these little mini squats, maybe. I don't know. If you I can would argue just... that, that running is better for strength than that. Yeah, yeah. As long as you can, you just have to relate something in, in their mind mm. and for them to have their meaning because I guarantee, and I've made this mistake before, I'm telling you now, even if you, and I enjoy understanding, you know, the research and the application and clinical concepts and things like that. If you tell someone or quote some studies at them, it doesn't do anything. They might just nod and say, yeah, that makes sense. But if you didn't, I guess if you haven't changed their mind, you're not, sorry, you're not going to change their mind just with a couple of stats. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why we're so lucky and that we've got access to a gym so that we can, for this topic in particular, yeah. you can walk someone through it and show them. Mm. And that's the problem that I've had in the past where I haven't had access to weights or a gym and you're, you're explaining to people what they need to be doing, but you're not actually able to get in there and try and test it. So yeah. you don't know what's happening when they leave the clinic. Yeah, it's true. Like, I don't know. I, I, say, this, I say this now. I don't know if it's true. And I apologize if, if any clinicians take this the wrong way, but if I was working in a doctor's surgery or I just had a little clinic room with no gym and I saw a runner, a good runner, that, that wanted to do strength training, you know, I'd nearly honestly have to send them somewhere else. I know mm. most people wouldn't do that because, you know, you're losing money or whatever, but, you know, you kind of would have to, mm. I think. Especially if they wanted some sort of close supervision. With yeah, their or even training. just to test them. Like, how do you know? Like, if they yeah. say, "Yeah, I can do ten calf raises with forty kilos," what does it look like? You don't even. Well, know. Well, I guess I guess for some people, they they want you to come up with some sort of home program. And mm. during COVID, a lot of people had to come up with their home programs. Yeah, yeah. But so at least you, you can see them. Do you think that is enough, the... though? Do you think that you can get enough out of strength training at home, or yes, do you think you need I do. a gym? I do, I do, but I I think that possibly I think to test them and see where they're at. I think for a short period of time, but I still think you need, and when we like, if you're saying at home, I mean at home with weights and things like that. Like if you're testing them in a little clinic room with nothing, not a step, not a dumbbell, not a kettlebell, just a couple of fucking resistance bands. I, I don't think it, it's worth it. And then if you're giving him a program to, Hey, I want you to go home and do 40 sets of, sorry, three sets of 40 reps of calf raises from the ground. I, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I yeah. agree. And then that, that sort of, I guess we need to sort of clarify strength training a little bit further. In terms of strength and conditioning principles, if we're talking about strength training and based off what uh, this particular sort of systematic review has, where we're talking about reps around three to 10. So anything above that's mm. probably moving more into muscle endurance or, or, I yeah, I mean, you train all, you train hypertrophy, I guess you could hypertrophy, say. Hypertrophy, hypertrophy, yeah. <laughs> hypertrophy strength. But you train, like, you never train just one system. Like, 
pardon me, you do, even if you're doing 10 to 15 reps, you're mm. still getting stronger. Exactly. But yes, I agree. But I, I but do if, agree if with you moving into those reps. And, and if a runner is doing so much high volume mm. stuff, then I think strength training is a very good way to add load in a different way. Oh, ooh, different way? Yeah, by not doing heaps of repetitions or high repetitions and instead going heavy and doing less. I just think do it's you, a different way to build capacity and load tissues. Mm, but do you really you don't actually load it in a different way? Because you're doing the same But you're you're producing a maybe a different stimulus. Yes, but you don't load it in a different way. The no. muscle still works the same. They just had to get political on you then. Yeah. Cool. And we need to make sure we differentiate here because injuries and same with like technique, injury and performance are different. Like if we're talking about injury, like strength training for injury, it's a different conversation to strength training for performance. So make sure that even when you read stuff online, you know, make sure someone is different, differentiating between the two because the research is different. Yeah. So, yeah. And for the sake of this conversation, we're going to talk about runners who aren't currently injured. So this isn't strength training for the currently injured runner. Yeah. This is strength training for the uninjured runner in terms of performance or injury prevention yeah and that i and that was in that was in quotation, quotation marks. Marks. i i hate it I, I it gets me so mad people clinics everyone saying hey we do this top 10 exercises to prevent injuries you cannot fucking prevent a running related injury you just can't i don't care if it's non-political or, or how political i'm being with the term it gives people the wrong mindset because they do something and then they think that it's going to prevent the injury and it's not the case. It's likely we know the incidence can be as high as 74% over six months. It's probably inevitable that you will have a running late injury in your life. So I think it's probably better you understand that and to say, hey, it's likely we've got research to support that rather than saying, do this fucking calf raise at 10 degrees range of motion and you'll prevent all your running injuries. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are. I don't like it. And I'm I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that we can't prevent injuries or we if we don't know enough about them yet. Well the diff well we can't at the moment. Yeah. We I, we yeah. I know we always say that about everything. We don't know a lot about this, but we'll fucking research it for like forty years. But the, but look we didn't we couldn't find much even look for this conversation mm. today. So yeah, there, there isn't a huge amount out there. Yeah. But, you know, if something works and you do a controlled environment, like that's the idea of science, is it? Like if strength training really is preventable against running late injuries, why when we research it, it doesn't happen? Obviously, mm -hmm. there's plenty of other variables, but you would expect it to work if you think it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so... Which, so, wait, so do you use strength training for runners? Yeah, I do because there's other, there's other benefits. What, why? What do you? Why do you use it then? If there's no research for it, because then you could sort of argue, why don't you use dry needling? Because there's a risk of adverse reactions with dry needling. Dry needling creates, I think, a self-reliant, and the narrative is very different. Mm -hmm. So if I give you a narrative to think about dry needling, it's different to strength training. There's no harmful effects of strength training, and strength training can improve performance. So why wouldn't I give it to them? Do you give it to patients with the intention of trying to prevent injuries despite what the research says? No, because I know I can't prevent injuries. But I'm still going to do it because out of all the things that they do, it's probably the best spend of their time 
definitely overstretching and foam rolling and things like that. And there's so many other benefits for like reducing pain sensitivity, improving performance. And I still think, and I know logically it makes sense with, with running injuries, like you improve the capacity of the tissue, you should have less injuries. I still think that there isn't any harm in them having a stronger, say, calf. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to be foam rolling or stretching or doing something else, I'm like, hey, why not do this? And I know it's going to help you day to day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I'll do, I don't say to them, this is going to prevent your running injuries. And I, I would happily have anyone ever sit in on my running consult. I never say that to anyone. Mm-hmm. I just say it's great to build capacity, performance. There's plenty of other benefits. It's a better spend of your time. So why not? Let's do it. And, you know, I can't guarantee or say that it's going to prevent any injury. But to us, and I'll say, I'll say logically it makes sense, but unfortunately we don't see it with the research. Yeah, I agree. I say something quite similar. <clears throat> and I also, I know we said that this is for the uninjured runner, but majority of runners have had injuries in the past. Yeah. So I think if we can come up with some sort of program that's somewhat biasing towards the the injured structure or mm. the weaker area I think that that's a good idea I know personally myself I've had years of um, dormant hamstring problems and I can totally feel my hamstrings fatiguing early if I haven't been in the gym for three yeah, or four which weeks is, which is interesting because you could say and I know there's a different like there's a different term between pain and injury like injury and sensitivity so perhaps and so I was saying before, actually, we didn't even plan that, saying like with pain sensitivity, mm-hmm. we know that from the research with strength training. Like if you're able to strength train, it may not prevent an injury, but it may reduce your sensitivity during running or after running. So maybe your calf doesn't feel tight or your or glutes not sore at the 25 kilometer yeah. mark. Yeah. 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 I think um, personally, I just, I know that I have so much hamstring inhibition and if I don't isolate and really try and build strength in them, then mm. they get really fatigued and tired very early if I haven't been doing the strength work. So I certainly see from a personal experience the benefits of it. And I I will always recommend some form of strength training to any runner that I see as well for yeah. all of those reasons that you listed before. Yeah. So there's not much, like the way the research is done as well, generally they look at strength parameters as a risk factor, like if you have a weaker plantar flexion strength, are you more likely for a running injury and then follow you over time? And then some other studies, you know, are systematic reviews and things like that. Some, they give a group strength training and a group doesn't get strength training. They just observe, you know, 12 weeks out from a marathon. So there's a couple of different ways the studies have done. But if you've come this far, and this he, this person was my, my supervisor when I finished my two years of post-grad research, and that's Peterson at our, and basically his study was titled Biomechanical and Musculoskeletal Measurements as Risk Factors for Running Related Injuries in Non-Elite Runners, and that was a systematic review and meta-analysis. So reading that study, they go through all the studies, all the references are there. It's, a, it's an incredible read, and I can't, maybe there was 19, I'm, I'm butchering, I'm not going to say how many um, studies were included, but they said that there is insufficient evidence to support biomechanical and musculoskeletal measurements as risk factors for running-related injuries. What does that mean? What does biomechanical and musculoskeletal measurements mean? So musculoskeletal measurements might be like hip abduction strength, calf strength, 
So it's not necessarily talking about adding in strength training. No, but looking at, yeah, and that's what I was saying, the way that the studies are done. So it's like if let's say that calf weakness is a risk factor for running-related injuries, you could then, I guess, hypothesize that doing calf strengthening will reduce that risk of a running-related injury. So I'm going a roundabout way, but that's all the research we've got. Whereas if it said calf, calf weakness is not a risk factor, well, then we know if we do strength running, it doesn't matter because it's not a risk factor. So that's the idea of, of that study. And they said there was no, sorry, wasn't the idea of the study, but some of the studies included within that meta-analysis detail <clears throat> that, and when they look at biomechanical um, measurements, it's things like rear foot angle, running gait, kinematics, functional movement screening, th things like that. See, that's what I mean when I say I don't feel like there is enough to say that we can't prevent injuries yet. I just don't Stop think saying, we know. You can't say prevent. Just you got to say reduce. Yeah, but I, I just don't think we have enough because I, I would say that that's not necessarily what we're really talking about. Well, it's the – yeah, and I understand it's the, it's the best – what I think the best way we've got to make any assumption, but we've got other studies here where they've done it and why didn't we find a difference? Like if it works. So what's the other one? So the other one is that was oh yes. So a randomized study of strength training program to prevent injuries in runners of the New York Marathon. First time marathoners age eighteen and over. One group got strength training. The other group was an observation group. Now I will say the strength training group only did ten minutes of strength training three times a week using written and video instructions. So the program was quads, hip abductor, core muscles. So not a great, I guess, overall lower limb strength training program, mm -hmm. but they found no difference at all. And that was for, pardon me, for 12 weeks. Yeah, see, I would question them. I don't know. The, what am I looking for? The I methodology, looking? I yeah. guess. Yeah. So another one sure. is hip muscle weakness, a predisposing factor for patellofemoral pain in female novice runners. So before the start of a 10-week program, they tested the isometric strength of the hip flexors, extensors, adductors, internal external rotators, and they followed them over 10 weeks. And then during that 10 weeks, they diagnosed, or an orthopedic surgeon diagnosed whether... Um, they sorry diagnosed them having patellofemoral pain and there was no increase or it was relatively the same between people that had you know weaker isometric strength compared and to again see i don't think that that's as that's really relevant to what we're talking about well we've got to base it off something i know i know what you mean but i'm just trying to drive my point home that i don't think that there's enough out there for us to be able to make a call and say no no I, i'm definitely saying there could be something different yeah. however I've got, I have evidence to say that it's not. Mm -hmm. You just have, and I'm not saying, what's that saying? I think there's um, an absence of evidence. Yeah, so again, it could come out tomorrow and I could be completely wrong, but I've got something to base it off. Whereas what, what if you're making the other argument, what do you have to base it off? Other than saying there's not any research out there. That there's no harm in adding it in. And if, theoretically, if you are able to improve the tissue capacity through strength training, then it, in my mind, makes sense that those tissues are going to be hmm. able to withstand higher yeah. loads and forces. Yeah, I said that there's definitely no issue with adding it in. Yeah. That's not the question. Definitely not the question. The question is, do you think that you can give someone a strength training program and prevent 
running injuries. I would never be able to confidently say that. I yeah. would not be able to confidently say that, no. Okay. So I, and well, then I there's think so I many can... other factors that go into a running-related yeah, injury. Of course, yeah, it's definitely multifaceted, but you can't always pull that card. Like I'm saying that I'm, I'm pretty confident that because I've got something to base it off. Again, I'm happy to change and I don't always change my mind, but if we are doing these studies, I know they're not perfect, but shouldn't we see something? Shouldn't we see maybe the group of women that had um, stronger hip muscles not mm. get injured as much? Why didn't we see that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, and then, so and other then, one I wanted to talk about just yeah, quickly before yeah. I finish because we're on the same category. So this one was titled The Relationship Between Isotonic Plantar Flexion Endurance, Navicular Drop, and Exercise-Related Leg Pain in a Cohort of Collegiate Cross-Country Runners. So there was no significant difference identified for isotonic ankle plantar flexion endurance between the group of college runners with and without exercise-related leg pain. So I guess, again, it's looking at is weakness a risk factor, but if weakness isn't a risk factor, well, then you can't argue that you've got to get it strong. I think you can still get strong without weakness. I think strong people can still get injured. Oh, definitely. But if someone's like... We're saying, do you need to give, is strength training the be all and end all? Or probably not, we're probably not saying that. But we're saying strength training for runners, if, we, if someone has something weaker than another group, that weak tissue or weak muscle should get injured more. But it doesn't. So what's the point of giving them strength training? Because the idea of, and again, strength training does many things, but if strength training makes someone stronger, but being stronger isn't protective against a running line injury, what's the point in doing it? Man, I'm on fire right now. I feel like I should be in a conference. You know what I'm saying? Does that make too much sense? <laughs> I but I but I still think that you could get injured as a well, yeah, I guess that one. Yeah, and like, let me be clear, I give strength training all the time. I mm-hmm. freaking love it. It's awesome. And I do it myself. Plus, yeah, it's it's good. But I just don't want us to be so like, yeah, yeah this is it. You can prevent I'll prevent your injuries, I'll reduce your injuries, let's build up your capacity and you'll be fine. But mm. Also, in saying that, you do have to go somewhere. And yeah. I think you need to go somewhere with the least amount of risk. Mm. Yeah. Cool. And then on the flip side, when we talk about performance, yes, that's where, that's where things get a little bit more interesting. So this particular systematic review included, which I find interesting if you didn't listen to our last podcast or the podcast before maybe on female athletes, it included... 352 males and 96 females, so a few females, but not many. Not enough. Not many. Um, And it did improve running economy, time trial performance, anaerobic capacity, and their strength. So the the type of resistance training used throughout it was predominantly focused on heavy resistance training and explosive resistance training. Mm. There was a couple that included core stability and a couple that included body weight exercises, but the overall majority was the heavy resistance training and explosive resistance training, sort of comprising of two to six sets of three to ten repetitions. So that was that was a pretty promising systematic review in the performance world, I would say, which is, you know, if we had a patient that would that walked in and said, I want to get faster at running five kilometers, hmm. then I would confidently say, 
you need to try and implement or we need to come up with some yeah. sort of strength and explosive jump training program for you. Yeah, and inevitably you'll, because again, you're training many systems, inevitably you'll increase that tissue capacity. Mm. Now, I, I do want to mention on this, if you are listening to this and you know us personally or you don't know us at all, you know, I know I can definitely be, probably seem like a attack a little bit when someone says something. It's definitely not a go ever at you personally. Mm. It's just trying to get to the bottom of what's true. And I mean, shouldn't we always want to do that? Yeah. Like if someone called me out for being wrong and I'm like, crap, maybe I actually am wrong or I need to think it, rethink you something. Never think that, do you? Yeah, because I never am. <laughs> but if, if I if I say something and you call me out and it makes logical sense, I'm thinking you know, I only want to get better. I only want to get to, get to what's true. And I want to be a good weapon clinician. So I'm happy to take feedback. So I think if you're listening to this and you think, no, I just give stretching or I just give eight sets of 50 squats, like just, yeah, question it or question us or, mm. yeah, tell us why you do it and why you yeah. think it's better. Yeah, we, we would love to hear different perspectives because no one really knows like as as we've sort of already highlighted throughout this podcast mm. we don't really know it's just what we do because it's our bias and we think it works but if mm. you've got a different reasoning uh <laughs> tell us yeah but and actually caveat to that make sure it's fucking good reasoning some people comment one they can't even spell two it doesn't make any sense and three they don't even answer half the stuff that we say so we, i've made a pact to myself i don't know about you I'm only going to reply to stuff that's like genuine. I've left a couple of comments because I just spend too much time and I'm like, I'm arguing with a wall. This is stupid. <laughs> so yeah, if it's genuine, I'm happy to, to mm. yeah, get in a bit of dialogue and become better. But anyway. I, I just wanted to touch on one other article that I was that I just found, which I, which I did find quite interesting. Again, if you didn't listen to our podcast maybe two episodes ago, go back and listen yeah, to it idiots. on Female Athletes. <laughs> It's good. This this was a randomized control control trial looking only at female runners. There was only nineteen in the article, so I think that that's a bit of a, a flag straight away. I think with something like running, you you probably mm. need to be looking at bigger sample sizes because it hard. is so common. Mm. But this particular article included heavy strength training, and it was looking at running performance in females, and they found no improvement in running performance in in any of the groups. So there was one group that just did, oh, sorry, there was one group that did strength training on top of their running and then there was the other group that did just their running and they measured it by a 40-minute time trial situation or a 40-minute for distance or something like that. The other thing that I wanted to comment on, though, just from this study, and again, just due to the relevance of our recent conversation, there was no mention of where each woman was in their menstrual cycle, or if they were on, or if they were experiencing a normal cycle, or if they were on any form of contraception. So they, they, these are things that just sort of pop out to me and and kind of make me question about the validity of the results when we are studying the female population. What shoes were they in? Don't say. No vapor flies. Don't know. Don't mm. know. I think Connie's. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so yeah, that, that was, was either yeah. side. One showed improvement, one didn't. Mm. I've seen plenty of studies that say, I, I don't have them here, that, that show strength training, improve running economy. I mean, like if shoes yeah. can improve running economy, certainly strength training can. But I, I was thinking, even when I was in the gym today and we were thinking about doing this episode, you know, 
if you've had 45 seconds to explain to someone roughly how you do it, I mean, I just look at whatever their capacity is. So I'll find whatever their eight or 10 rep max is, or I'll watch them do it and kind of see if they've got a couple reps in reserve. So they can do just arguments like 10 single leg calf raises off a step. I'll say, great, let's do four sets of six or four sets of eight, three times a week for either two or four weeks. And then I'll retest them. And then if it's gone up to say, they can do now four sets of 15 or they can do 15 as their max, I'll say, great, find some weight, whether it be 10 or 15 kilos, and let's do four sets of 10 or four sets of 12. I won't just keep going up and up and up until in they can reps. Do, yeah, in reps. I'll just yeah. start to add weight. Generally, when they're around the 10, they can do 10 to 15 body weight and they look pretty good. So yeah, add some weight and then it's just gradually improving from there and adding in obviously other exercises, but just doing that. And that's very, very simple. There's plenty more that you can add to that. But just something like that, like strength training doesn't have to be really specific. Mm. Just some general principles of working somewhere, not close to your max, but pardon me, somewhere near your max and then take a couple of reps off, three to four sets, have a rest day, do some other stuff with it and then gradually building on that. And then if for running, I'll also add in some plyometric stuff. But yeah, that's how I would do it. I mean, what would you say? If you had, you know, not long to explain to someone. About what I do? Yeah, how, like general principles that someone could walk away tomorrow and go, great, Blake said, find their capacity, take a couple of reps off, three to four sets, a couple of times a week, and then mm. gradually build them every two or four weeks. Whether you add weight, reps, sets, intensity, you can add plenty I of think, stuff. I think I'd probably look at it maybe a little bit differently. Like I, mm. I would always sort of program for someone – a squatting type movement, a hinging oh, type movement. The calf raise a was calf. just the calf raise was just an example. Okay. So I'm saying like, pr- so like then, principles so then, for the programming. So, and I guess on that note, then I like to have I like them to be compound movements for the most part, unless there are mm. something areas a specific thing that we're more like at. sets and reps and progression, not like the specifics. Well, it changes. Apply? I don't do the same thing for every exercise. Yeah, but generally, like some, you've got 45 seconds, so someone's going to die. You know? before you interrupted me. So for a squat movement or a hinge movement, such as a deadlift, I would program more so heavy. So I'd go like five sets of five for the squat and the hinge. And then How would for the you find other that accessory. Five? How would you find that five rep max? What I was talking about at the start of the podcast. Okay. And then... So push them to a failure. No, I would just assess them. I would, I would say, all right, five sets, five reps at, on an empty barbell, easy. All right, let's add five kilo plates to each side. Okay. Easy. All Great. right, let's add two kilo plates to each side. All right, that looks a bit harder. Great. Can Fo- you do any more? So find their capacity by just slowly building up. Yeah. And then for compound movements like squat, deadlift, five sets of five, bench press. And then what about just generally? I usually would go three sets of six to eight. For yeah. like a lunge, uh, um, I don't know, calf yeah. raise. Why do you do three? Why not four? I don't know. Maybe I could do four. Mm. And why six to eight? You like that range? Like what's so special about that range? I, I put higher repetitions on 
the, I guess what I would call accessory exercises, because I think that they're good capacity builders, but also I don't Mm. want them to be working through five sets of five for every single exercise. So I think it needs to be a a higher repetition range Mm -hmm. so that they are getting And high is like 10 to 15, not like 40. No, six, I'd still do six to eight. I I rarely give runners more than eight repetitions Mm. based off the fact that I just want them to be doing some sort of different stimulus to what they're doing running. And like, I know I can't think of the study's name. Like you can change it. And I know it's about, you know, for the body adapt, you need changes in stimulus, but it's not like changes every freaking week. You know, it might be you do three to six months of certain strength training and then you might change. So yeah, don't think that you've got to change it all the time. Other thing I want to ask you on accessory exercises. What do you mean by that? Like, what muscles do we have that are extra? They're, they're not. They're all so important in the whole kinetic chain. That's it. I don't like it. Why do you use it? Well, it changes. I think so. When I'm when I'm programming for for patients, I will put on their program like if i'm seeing them in the clinic with me Mm. as a one-on-one then i'll say some sort of split squat variation so it might be a walking lunge it might be a lunge it might be a rear foot elevated split squat it might be a front foot elevated split squat yeah i would say that the key movements or the key lifts is going to be the squat the deadlift Mm. or the squat and the deadlift for a runner let's Mm -hmm. say and so then anything additional I'm calling like an accessory-based exercise because I'm going to change it depending on the person. But I probably by and large give everyone a squat and a deadlift and then change what else, the other types of exercises depending on them and their weaknesses and what we're working on. So why is a car phrase, without saying that better bang for your buck, why is a car phrase better than a squat why does it have to be accessory it's just as important as your glutes because squats and deadlifts are big compound movements that are recruiting lots of different muscle groups Mm. at the same time a calf raise is targeting a specific muscle group so why is the deadlift more important then it's not more important then why is a calf an accessory i don't think just because it's the term accessory makes it less important but it's kind of like you're doing extra no, you know I disagree. What, what does accessory mean? Doesn't accessory mean extra? Well, anything's extra. Well, like if you're doing like this is the base, this is your accessory exercise. That means these are your extra ones, you know, rather than this is the base, calves, glutes, quads. I think I've got you here. Mm, I think that's what you think. I don't think that mm, that's true. Okay. So ex- what is accessory? What do you think they think when they see accessory? I don't write that. I don't say that to oh. anyone. I just program it. I'm just saying that for this podcast. Because mm, yeah. they change is kind of what I mean. Like everyone is going to get a squat and deadlift variation. Yeah. And the rest of them are going to be yeah. dependent on the person. Okay. So in my mind, they are accessories because I'm going to vary them throughout the program as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. And I, I, I definitely agree. Better bang for your buck doing if you're time poor or whatever every runner will squat. get some sort of car phrase yeah, absolutely yeah. i just don't like the term accessory i think everything is just as important but i understand if you've got 10 minutes it's probably better or 20 minutes 30 minutes you're probably better you do squat and deadlift because you get better bang for your buck mm. i just don't like the term that's right you don't have to be right all the time that was good what do you think any takeaways for these guys at home other than nothing don't tell people you can re- prevent their injuries. 
we've given some good advice on how to basic say, principles for strength and conditioning. If you're seeing a runner in the clinic and you don't know what to do with the rest of your 15 minutes, go through their program. Do some sort of strength training. Yeah, and watch them and do progress it. Progress it, and yeah. or go to a, a gym even, or find something, some way to load them up and actually really test them and show them that they struggle with certain things yeah. and they're probably going to benefit in some way by doing and more of it. Test them, test them. Like, you know, you're not going to snap their Achilles going to failure <laughs> or loading them up. But yeah, mm-hmm. so some general principles for SNC, which is great. I guess a little bit of the research saying that maybe we don't have enough to really confidently say strength training is great for preventing injury. It logically makes sense, and Kelly and I both do it, don't get me wrong, but I think the terms we use, I think it's important. I know other people don't think it's as important, but I definitely think it is. Mm. So what, what do you reckon? Any take-homes for the team listening? Or I've summed it up all right. If you're strength training, then strength you train are. hard. Don't strength train, you know, you're not going to get changes by doing easy things, it has to test you. It has to be hard. Mm. It has to be close to what yeah. you can tolerate for it to important. be worthwhile. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time and the, and your patient's time. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, make it challenging. So remember, five star on Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's bloody blown up, which is good. And yeah, next week we've got Sian Allen, which is Dr. Sian Allen. I'd want someone to say Dr. Allen's doctor. So yeah, it was an absolute cracker of a potty. We'll be going to kind of promoting it all week, but yeah, it was awesome. And yeah, we're back to our normal routine. We've got our normal topic, which we talk about. You know, today was strength training for runners. Previously, it was how shit dry needling is. You know, we might talk about foot mobilization therapy, but I could probably sum it up in 10 seconds and say it's shit. Maybe we should talk about it. I don't don't know what it is. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure all the sports doctors and surgeons use it. No, I'm joking. No one ever uses it. Um, Yeah, not going to talk about that. And then we've got our case study during the week, Mm -hmm. which might be, we might even make it a running one this week. I think we should do um, Mm -hmm. that patient. And Mm then, yeah, we'll be having a guest on and then also doing a case study. But yeah, we're back to our normal routine, back to the swing of things. Uni's back. And yeah, let's let's get into it. So we'll see you guys next week. And yeah, happy Anzac Day and happy Easter, guys. Yeah, awesome. See you later.